I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And this week... We're going to go through one of my famous, or maybe not quite so famous, case studies. We are going to be talking about the model of performance for the non-athlete. Yep, the thriving executive, or anyone who is performance-minded, but has very little aspiration to label themselves an athlete, to compete as an athlete. Yep, we're going to stray away from athletics today and discuss an approach of how we thrive in broader life. You see, the outcomes that we want can be very different. From the athlete, it's typically highly goal-driven and very specific. I want to qualify for Kona. I want to finish a marathon. I want to beat my buddy John. He's an ass when he wins. But life performance can be a little bit more random. But ultimately, we should be outcome-driven. Now, it might be body composition, health, energy, performance in the workplace, But today, we're going to talk about performance through the lens of a case study who has no aspiration to compete. He certainly doesn't want to be labelled that athlete thing. We're going to talk about John, a real mate, and ultimately, in my mind, an athlete. But we help John thrive in life and the workplace. But before we dive in, let's do that jingle fingle. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wink. Yes, the word of the week this week is time zones. Time zones? What's that got to do with performance? Well, I've got a question this week, and I'm going to mould it, melt it, caress it into becoming our word of the week. But the question was always around lethargy, that the person who will remain nameless sent in the question. Now, he often has trips between LA and New York, and seldom when he arrives to either destination, does he feel like training or doing exercise? He nearly always skips it. But he's not sure about the best path to take, and is it really helping his energy either? And in full disclosure, he right, does some flights that are through the day, some that are overnight, or as he classically called them, the red eye. And so he wants to know all about feeling better on arrival. So there it is, time zones. And it's a goodie, because with a few minor shifts... I think that our friend here can thrive. He can improve greatly. But let's think about the outcomes that you want when you're crossing time zones and you want to implement a travel protocol, as you call it. So the first is we want to minimize lethargy on arrival. Ultimately, you probably need to perform. You probably need to go straight to work. You need to be in the boardroom, whatever it might be. The second is that you want to reduce interruption to training or exercise flow so that we can facilitate continued consistency, that magic word in performance. And third, we want to try and ensure that each trip isn't a huge stress accumulator that spills into other areas of life. It is an unnecessary and unwanted stress and we want to minimize it. Now, I think that there are a few non-negotiable habits 
that you want to implement to prime the system and minimize physiological stress that occurs when you go through word of the week time zones. So here they are. Number one, minimize alcohol. It's a suppressor when you're traveling. And so while the plane might be boring and the trolley very alluring as it rolls its way towards you don't reach out for the wine or beer instead hydrate plenty of water pre-flight and during the flight and don't worry pee breaks on the plane help you with the next point get moving in la to new york six hours or so of flying you do not want to be dormant for too long so frequently getting up and moving the blood will help including some light mobility when you're heading to the bathroom The caveat to this is the red-eye situation, in which case, set yourself up for sleep. We need to maximize what we can do in a poor sleep situation. So you want to get a comfortable neck pillow, earplugs, the ambient noise is greater than you think on a plane, and eye pillows are a must. Now, of course, with those two points, if I fly a day trip, I'm going to aim for an aisle seat. But an overnight, it's better to try and sneak into a window. It enables me to pivot, get my big knees out of the way, turn and lean against my pillow, and also, of course, get less neighbor interruptions. But here's the key component. Move on arrival. You simply must exercise on arrival. Now, you're not training, but you are moving blood. It is a massive hormonal impact and will facilitate energy. The best thing is to integrate several short and higher intensity bursts to stimulate that dialogue between brain and muscle. Don't just move, move quickly for short periods and lots of rest. And the final piece, realize that when you're traveling, you're not looking to drive performance forward. Instead, the mission is not to regress. And so, I much prefer those short intervals, little spikes of intensity over that long duration monotony that's just going to drag the system down. These components added together make up very basic habits where we're going to achieve our outcomes. We minimize lethargy, facilitating you to perform. We reduce the interruption of training with a little bit of high intensity. We keep it going and ultimately it's going to mitigate some of that unwanted stress. And so, there's your tips of the week, and there is your word of the week, time zones. And now, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. Yes, we come to the meat and potatoes, and this week we're talking about thriving in work and life. We're not talking about athletes today. We're not talking about the quest to win a world championship. We are going to talk about pro athletes in their middle of performance, but we are going to refine it, mold it, and drive it towards you just becoming a better version of yourself. But in order to get there, we need to start with a model of success. What I want to do is I want to look at a very simplistic but effective model of elite athlete success. Now, it's no surprise as we go through this that it's going to be anchored around the pillars of performance, our coaching methodology. But whenever we start developing this model to an individual athlete, we always start with a question. What is the ongoing recipe? You're going to hear that word a lot today, but what's the ongoing recipe for an elite athlete to improve? What do we need to do to enable his or her success? 
and typically it anchors around this very basic model. The first piece of the model, and I want to close your eyes, you want to think about a Venn diagram. You know, all those circles that intersect in the magic and right in that middle point is the magic, that little performance zone as we call it here. Well, the first circle in our Venn diagram is going to have a backbone of, you've guessed it, training. And there is a lot of training for an elite athlete. There is no shortcut. We need to do a combination of specific endurance training and strength training. And our mission or our goal is to maximize within the context of their capacity to absorb because that equals their ability to achieve positive adaptations. Of course, all of this is layered over a season of progression and tailored to enable the athlete to shine at times that align with their key events. But the key to underneath all of this is we want to load consistently with stuff, training, that will allow growth. Now, there are lots of ways to get that done. And where less of the magic performance really is, despite many, many coaches claiming that their intervals are somehow new and revolutionary, typically it's been done before and tried before, but it's really about finding the recipe. And so the first part of our model of performance is, of course, training. It's central. The second component for an elite athlete is, you've probably guessed it again, recovery. Of course it is. I am supposedly the recovery coach. But that big bucket of recovery is as much a part of the performance as the work is the training. Because it's going to have heavy influence on how quickly you can absorb training and adapt to it, therefore improve. And it is a catalyst to performing when it counts. So in other words, we have to have integrated recovery so that we can find performance predictability. It also has an impact on reducing injury flare-ups. And of course, ultimately, bizarrely, it is a route to maximize load. Now, this recovery includes post-workout fueling, sleep, modalities, meditation, naps, and all of the components that you could break down into the key components of recovery. But our mission is that we weave this to be meshed as a part of the daily practice. So we have to avoid it becoming an afterthought, and instead, it becomes synchronous with the training. So therefore, it is no wonder that we always say, it takes courage to recover. The third and final component of this model is nutrition. And that's simply habits around great eating and drinking. And so we can break that down with post-workout fueling, enough calories, which is very common for higher-end athletes to undercut relative to the big training demands and the caloric expense, hydration habits, and of course the quality of food. In fact, it's important to realize when you think about an elite athlete that it is work to eat like a pro. Now, some might say it's enjoyable work, but it takes serious planning, coordination and commitment. Now, I will say this was an area of professional sport that I did manage to excel in. But coming back to the point, get these three areas right on an ongoing basis and the athlete accelerates physically. Now, the coach's job then is to keep the athlete on track, to help continually provide perspective to ensure that the athlete gets just-in-time feedback to help course-correct across all of these areas, especially if they start to stray offline, 
and ultimately to ensure that the athlete's mindset and confidence is right and primed to allow physical performance to shine out of this good recipe. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Okay, great. That's the model. Very simple. A lot of complexity behind it, but on the surface, really simple. Get the interaction or recipe right between training, supporting recovery, and those key elements around nutrition, and you accelerate physically. Build confidence through that, make sure retain perspective, plan appropriately, and results happen. Well, that's super. But what if you're not an athlete? So how does all this obsession and commitment apply to you? After all, I assume that you're busy enough thinking about kids, work, the next vacation, etc., etc., etc. Well, the good news, or the important news, is it does. Because we can mold it to apply to your life and your situation. Not in order to turn you into an obsessive triathlete or drive you towards a marathon, but to help you thrive within the context of your life. And so we need to explore an abbreviated model for life performance now. Now, I could just launch into the model and sit up here like a teacher in high school, but I want to explore this through a story, a genuine story, a true story. And we're going to come back to that model in a little bit. I want to tell you a story about John. Now, John is the COO and luckily still is the COO of a major private equity company. Now, when I first met John, at least in a coaching sense, he began with the classic line, I'm not your typical athlete. I don't even know why I'm here because I'm not one of those obsessive triathletes and I know that you only work with world-class type people. I don't even ride a bike. Well, that's okay, John. You are a classic purple patch athlete. But let's explore John's goals. Now, I can wrap up John's goals in a golden phrase. Stop the decline. You see, he is the classic hard charger. In fact, I'd say hard charger, more survivor in many ways. But he has been for a a long while. Highly successful, late 40s, just turning over the lid towards 50. Two kids and, of course, the commute. High pressure workplace with little flexibility, but an important leadership role over the coming years. And the key thing that we identified with his work is that ultimately the success for him wasn't just about him. It was about getting him, John, to get others to excel and create the framework and make the strategic decisions to foster it, both for his team and ultimately for the company. But upon meeting John, as we started our diagnosis in this case study piece, John was feeling the chronic low-lying stress accumulation that was magnified with years of no cohesive plan and some relatively poor habits. Now, despite this, he wasn't really aware when I first sat with him around his underperformance, as we might call it. And that's the thing so often with chronic stress accumulation. When it comes, it is incremental load. And with each very small step, downwards I might head but with each minor step it quickly just baselines into the new norm and in John's case a low performing baseline now tangentially if you're some super freak fitness guy who eats clean and has a thriving energetic lifestyle this might feel quite foreign to you but let me tell you how you could work this out 
Now imagine just for a moment that you decided to drink just three or four beers, three or four beers, or maybe two glasses of wine every night with dinner for three weeks. This might be your new operational baseline. You will succeed. You probably wouldn't be an alcoholic, but you will succeed in this low level of fatigue. Now, if you removed it, you would feel a remarkable sparkle. And that would be your potential with a great recipe. Now, please, don't do that test. Please, just for once, let your imagination work for it. It would be good. But anyway, back to John. So when we reviewed his situation with his low-lying baseline, one could argue when you looked at his life that he was doing fine. He was doing okay. There wasn't wildly anything out of the norm. I mean, he was even exercising three to four times weekly. He didn't generally overeat. At least the consumption wasn't too high and the quality was moderately good. And he wasn't even massively into alcohol consumption. But he was... Now, how can I say this? <sighs> oh, that's it. He was getting old. You see, as a coach, I could look at him and I could just see the advancing years creeping up on him. The belly was starting to go. His eyes looked tired. He moved with a certain lethargy that looked more like a wounded cat after an alley fight than a tiger. I would say lethargy more than legend. When we look deeper into his life, he was exercising, but that didn't mean he was thriving. And that's because his model of performance was non-existent. Why, you say? Well, he had a high workload, a big bucket of stress accumulation with a lot of hours. And many of those hours included, ironically, with this week's word of the week, travel. His exercise was random and monotonous. He did the same thing three or four times a week with little variance and no real purpose behind it. His sleep was relatively poor and his basic eating habits were, well, a disaster around exercise and in daily life, just random and haphazard. But one key element was also there for him. In the rest of his life, John had no other escape. As soon as he left work, he rushed home and it was down to family planning, maybe some kids game, but he was missing a whole bucket, a bucket which we're going to talk about in a moment, a powerful bucket in his lens or model of performance. So the mission for us wasn't to get John to adopt an approach of the pro athlete. It was to adopt an athletic mindset not become an athlete, but was to adopt an athletic mindset to help him thrive in work and life. That's really important. So how do we hit this intervention, as you might call it? Well, as mentioned before, John had no and still has no aspiration to compete. His quote, I have enough in my life with work and kids. I don't want to pursue racing in any shape or form. And that's fine. But I had to have an important few words with John to frame our intervention. And so I decided to start it like this. And I reenact the best way I can. I'm not a great actor. But I said, John, you are not an elite athlete. And of course, he laughed. In fact, we laughed. It made me laugh. I realized, no, he's not an elite athlete. But I continued, you are an elite performer. You see, John, 
You have an important role at a major company and to drive your team and the company forward, you are burdened with the responsibility to have a massive capacity for focus, decision-making, multidisciplinary behavior, short and long-term memory, and much, much more. Your role requires high performance to get the most out of yourself, but most importantly, as we talked about before, your team and company. And to that, when framed in that way, John agreed. And then I explained more. You see, for John, I assume that beyond this, you would like to finish work and arrive home as the best version of yourself for your kids and wife. Or are you satisfied coming home as a fatigued aging man due all to his big important job? Now, as you can imagine, I got my reaction from that. So I drove the nail into the coffin. John, you are turning into an old man. And your physical recipe is going to directly impact your ability to strive, drive, and thrive. It ain't going to happen. And typically, old men get run over by fresh young warriors. And so it is your quest, I believe, to thrive. And therefore, you need to evolve. Because as we say at Purple Patch, evolve or die. Of course, that was enough for John. That was the catalyst. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't use him as a case study. But John stood on the rooftops, tell me how, tell me how. Well, let's explain. Because we had to assist with a prescription that would fit into a very busy and highly committed life. And so what was that prescription? Well, the mission for us collectively was simple. We don't want to add too much. Instead, we want to reframe and reorder And that was really important. That was actually important for John's success, as well as I would say ultimately my success as his coach. Because if you just start piling onto an already busy life, it becomes too much. And so instead we said, let's evolve what you are doing and then let's tie it together to make it more effective within the framework of how you currently exist. Now, here's the key to this. This isn't like some intervention where a family circles around and holds hands as the loving, supported members tell the poor soul who have reached their rock bottom that rehab is the only way. This is about important yet simple incremental shifts in behavior. And so let's revisit that model. Do you remember the elite athlete? Training, nutrition, recovery. So now let's shift the lens. Let's remove the athlete. Let's just think about life. Let's think about thriving in life. Your recipe for energy, success, and the ability for you to be the best person of yourself. Well, at the baseline, we can remove training as a central pillar at the baseline of this Venn diagram. Because the most dominant piece that most of us have is work. And that's a critical pillar. Now, that could include include parenthood for the stay-homes, but work. And we aim for predominantly a thriving and challenging experience if we are so lucky. But it doesn't end there. Your recipe cannot be about work and then sprinkling a little family time and maybe a touch of exercise and think you're golden. Because guess what? You ain't. You ain't golden. We have to have organization around exercise and so the second component is just like the pro but through a very different lens training you see exercise is random and random produces random results but training is structured and progressive 
And so what John needed within the same hours and just simple refinements and evolution, he needed specific training that was flexible and dynamic so that it could sync with the ebbs and flow of his life. Sometimes he has a little more time, sometimes he has a little less. And we needed to have lots of variety because sameness equals staleness. Now, this means adopting a program or a variety that mixes many different elements, including strength training and endurance. And it also highlights, I would argue, the key days where you're really focusing or working a little harder and some other supporting sessions. We should even have an element of progression. Yes, progression, because progression is results and that word, progress. And of course, ultimately, by having that training mindset and having a roadmap, it provides your exercise becoming an organized journey and it's going to facilitate consistency and it's going to dilute randomness. And ultimately, it's going to provide long-term ongoing results, period. But there's more. Because we know that just because you intervene with adding training element into a busy work life, you need to have one other thing. And I would bucket that rejuvenation. In fact, you could call it rejuvenation and recovery. But there's an element there that goes beyond habits. Yes, there are a series of critical habits. Post-workout fueling. We talked about that on last week's show. Sleep, nutrition, hydration, all of the stuff that I've talked about before. But we also need something for ourselves, something that is truly yours, that you can step away from commitments. We need a mental escape. Now, that could be many things. It could be meditation. It could be building model planes. It could be you going to a Star Trek convention. I don't care, but we need an escape. Now, this is already public. I think I've already said this. And I know that I'm mentally ill because Kelly tells me. But outside of reading stuff that's related to work or performance or educational for me, for fiction, for joy, I fall into a very narrow crevice. Scandinavian crime thrillers. I seldom stray. It's madness. Complete madness. But it's my madness. And what it acts as is my escape. Now, I don't even know why, but it is my place that I go. My little place every day, even if it's 10 minutes before I fall into a deep sleep. But it's Scandinavian crime thrillers. But we all need something, an anchor and hopefully it's bigger than Scandinavian crime thrillers, but something to enable us to have real rejuvenation and escape from the commitments of work, the commitments of family, and exercise and training. Now, enough about me. Let's go back to John. So we outlined that map to John. We outlined this picture, and he sat and he reviewed, and then he got his big red marker out, and he scribbled all over the page, and he finished with a big yell, I am failing he said in a dictatorial voice. Well, yeah, you kind of are, John, but don't worry, all is not lost. And I quickly explained that a shift in just a couple of habits would ultimately yield big results. But we had to settle on just a few things, and we settled on three. The first, keep exercise hours exactly the same, but put order and structure around it. There's the training. The second... No surprise here to loyal listeners. Start 
fueling post-workouts. He was the classic guy that would exercise and then wait till lunchtime in the quest to lose the belly. And of course, everything collapsed. If you want to hear more about that, go back to the post-workout fueling episode of last week. And then the third component was how did we create something for him? And for his choice, he decided to start meditation. Yep, he started listening to that bloke on the app. And yes, he did again claim that I sound like him. Now, in case you're wondering, and if you know who I'm talking about, I don't sound like him. He is much better spoken than me and probably much better looking. You see, I'm from Essex, like, and I was born with no silver spoon in my mouth. I was born on the markets. And so I'm not like Simon the App Man. But regardless, John got into the app. And those are his three things. Very simply, a reorganization of his model. But we had work and then we organized his training and integrated within it. And the one thing that we did, or I guess the two things that we did, was fueling and create something for himself. Short, something that he could do anywhere at any time, but meditation that was app-based. Now, I'm going to spare you the details of his progression and the roadblocks that we did come across and some of the adjustments we made, but we'll fast forward. A year later, 25 pounds lighter. The first time, he's been under 200 pounds in over 20 years. He looks vibrant. He started coaching his kids soccer again. And he's expanded his training. He's now really into strengths and circuit training. And he's even gone out and bought a rowing machine. But most important, he's happy. And in fact, I would say he is invigorated. No, I would say now he is hard charging, but in an evolved way. I called him a hard charger at the start of this show, but now he is charging with energy and vigor, not drawn into a cage fight of survival, because most importantly, he has control. And so what are the lessons here? Well, it's not for you to go out and become some evangelist around obsessive training or jump onto a meditation app or anything else. The lesson is actually really quite simple, self-reflection and looking for opportunities for you to involve your life a little bit. So work, what does it look like? What does it require? Exercise, how can you shift and refine your approach to that all-important word, training? And most importantly, your big bucket of rejuvenation. What's your thing? How are the basic habits? Sleep, fueling, eating. But what is your thing? If you don't have any idea, I've got some crime thrillers to send your way. So to wrap up, realize that You don't have to be an athlete to adopt an athletic mindset. You don't even have to aspire to be athletic. But what you do need is the desire to excel, to thrive, to be the best version of yourself. Now, my guess is that as we speak here, there are some listeners that buy into the concept. But all of this feels very, very far away. And yes... There is no shortcut. There is no easy route. I can't promise life hacks or a quick fix because those are ineffective. But I can tell you that it is possible. I've seen some of the laziest, and lovely I point out, but laziest and lethargic people evolve to shine. And you know what it took? It took one commitment, one habit, and in the end, 
one footstep. So what are you waiting for? Till next time, see you around. Take care. Matt Dixon, signing off. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers!